0: It was December 30th of the year 1916. A shot rang out, piercing the air, as Gregory Rasputin was shot square in the chest. He fell to the ground, dead. Or was he? My name is Elizabeth, and you're listening to Tea on History, a podcast about the people of history you've either forgotten about or never even learned about. Today we're going to be talking about Grigory Rasputin. He's a famous mystic and he was an advisor to the Romanov family of Russia. So that means we are going to be talking quite a bit about the Imperial family, the Romanovs. If you don't know who they are, but you've seen Anastasia, that's the family we're talking about. However, Anastasia the movie is unfortunately not very accurate. I say unfortunately because Anastasia did not survive. None of her family did. And it's a very tragic story that we'll touch on a bit in this episode. Now, why did I decide to do Rasputin for this week? There are a couple reasons. The first is that I had that Rasputin song stuck in my head all week and I finally decided, you know what, I'm just going to do an episode on him. And the other reason is that I wanted to do a man for one of the upcoming episodes because my first three episodes are all women, and so I wanted to kind of vary it a bit and focus this episode on a guy. But I definitely chose a very creepy dude for this episode, so not only are we switching it up with a guy, but this is definitely a very creepier figure than any of the other people we've talked about thus far. Rasputin is a lot creepier than I thought he was as I was doing more research on him more about his early life I knew a lot about his relationship with the Romanovs but learning more about him before he met the Romanovs he's really creepy and I had trouble finding photos of him that I was gonna post on Instagram or include in the blog posts because some of them are just heebie-jeebies galore honestly he's just creepy I feel like he's looking through my soul in every single photo so we're gonna go all the way back to when Lil Rasputin was born and he was a baby Rasputin. Rasputin. He was born in Siberia in the year 1869 to a peasant family, which is important to note because that means Rasputin came from the poorest of the poor people in the Russian kingdom. Siberia was said to be a dumping ground for religious exiles, it was for criminals, and it was said to be remote and empty, isolating, hostile, and obviously very, very cold. And I think where he was born and where he grew up, with it being Siberia and, you know, a peasant village, I think this really shaped his character and who he becomes as he grows up. Rasputin got weird pretty quickly. As a child, he was said to have divine visions. He could heal horses from the touch. And it's important to note that this time period and this place was a time and place that accepted magic and the supernatural and the mystic. They believed in its existence in the world. So people actually feared him quite a bit. They thought he was creepy even when he was a child. And even though he was healing animals and he had these healing powers, people were still a bit suspicious of Rasputin. Some people thought he had the devil in him. They thought that his magic was dark and evil. And the other thing about Rasputin is he could also foretell the future. And he had sudden glimpses of what was going to happen And he would tell people about them and he himself genuinely believed in what he was seeing and doing. But he also did have some normalcy in his life. By the age of 30, he actually was married and he had four children. He didn't have the best reputation. He was known to be a drunken thief in the village and he was accused of horse stealing and actually fled from his village to a monastery. And this is where things start to get spicy. It's important to note that Russia at this time, its religion was the Russian Orthodox Church. Rasputin goes to this monastery and he has a life-changing experience. He realizes that he wants to become a monk. Remember, he only went to this monastery to run away from being accused of horse stealing. So when he gets there, he decides to stay and he stays for months. And he meets a holy man at this monastery who he finds out actually gives advice and counsel to the Tsar of Russia. In my opinion, it's at this point where Rasputin realizes that he could become that holy man, that this guy is giving advice to the leader of their country. And that's a lot of power. I think Rasputin starts to get in his mind that, you know what? I could do that. I could have power like that. Let's do it. That's just my opinion on kind of the inner workings of Rasputin's brain. Not that I don't think he genuinely believed in his mystical powers and religion, but I think there was some ulterior motives going on here, which we'll definitely circle back to when we get to the point that he's with the Romanovs. So he decides he wants to become a monk and a holy man, and he decides to become what was known as a wandering holy man, and he just leaves. Now I want to note, the one good thing I did notice about Rasputin is even though he just kind of wanders off and decides to dedicate himself to the mystical holiness of his newfound life, he does actually still support his family. So he had a wife, he was married, and he had four kids, and he actually still supports them and takes care of them, at least financially. From the tiny bit that I read into this, he did seem to actually care about them and love them, but he also decided he was going to become this wandering, nomadic, holy man of Russia. He started going on these long pilgrimages across all of Europe, and during these journeys he would take, he would starve himself, he wouldn't wash, he was usually barefoot, and he made sure they were very difficult journeys. He wanted to experience the hardship, he wanted them to be difficult, and there is one rumor that says that he actually traveled all the way from Russia to Greece. On foot, of course. So these were very difficult trips that he was taking. This is also where the rumors about him started. The weird Rumors, And one of the most famous rumors that came around this time was that Rasputin had joined the Klisti. They were an extremist religious group that were underground and had split from the Russian Orthodox Church. Another thing to note about the Klisti is that they would commit sin to drive out sin. So they would do things that were really bad because they believed that by doing more bad things, they would drive away the sin. It doesn't really make sense. It's like two negatives make a positive. And they believed that committing sin would actually bring them closer to God. So you can imagine some of the things that were going on in these groups of people. I'm not going to get too much into it because it is quite disturbing, honestly, some of it, and I would believe that Rasputin may have gotten involved in some of that, just from the impressions I get from him. So this was not a good rumor that spread, it was really bad, and people still believe that he was possibly part of the Clisty. They were seen as an anti-church religious outlaw group, and it made sense that they would've found some type of home or place to stay in Siberia, because that is where a lot of criminals and religious outlaws were being sent. So when he returned to his village, there was obviously a lot of suspicion around him. However, there were also people who were really fascinated by him, and they regarded him as a true holy man. A lot of people, even the ones who were suspicious of him, saw a change in him. They at least regarded that he was altered and changed in some way since he returned from all of his pilgrimages. Rasputin eventually claimed that he was a higher being and he really took on that God complex or almost kind of like a Messiah complex. And eventually, at least in my opinion, from hearing how he was in his village when he got back, he comes across as a cult leader, honestly, and he really did have a cult following. When he got back to his village, he actually created his own church. And the really weird thing about this is that he built the chapel in a pit below his house. I just don't know if that's really where I would want to go to church, but you can imagine what was forming here. He was starting to get a following. People were seeing him as this otherworldly, mystical, holy man with magical powers. They were listening to him, and although there were people who were suspicious, with any type of cult-like behavior, there are people who basically worship the leader. And like I said, he seemed to fascinate some people, and he had this Allure, and he seemed to almost just hypnotize people. Like I said, when you look at even pictures of him, his eyes are really piercing, like he's looking through you. It's really, as I've said, creepy. And so Rasputin starts having more intense visions. Now, I'm not saying he wasn't having these visions, but when you're in the position that he is now in, a position of power where people believe in you, suddenly you're going to be having these intense visions. And not only were they intense, one of them apparently was the Virgin Mary coming to him and telling him that he should travel to St. Petersburg and help the royal family. So suddenly he's getting these visions that are telling him that the royal family of Russia needs his help and he just has to go there and be the savior for the Tsar and his family. They need him. Overall, I'd say one of Rasputin's greatest magical powers was that he had a captivating magnetic presence that really drew people in and made them believe in him. I think it is a little obvious that my opinion on Rasputin is that he was a bit of a puppet master and he knew what he was doing. He could see that he had these At least alluring type powers to draw people in and he uses those powers to his advantage throughout this story. However, I will also maintain that some of what he was doing did seem real to some extent and when we talk about what he does for the Romanov family, that is where I will definitely talk about how it's a bit of a mystery why he was doing some of these things and how he was doing them and that's why I do think Rasputin was mystical and did genuinely believe in himself but he was also using whatever type of powers he had to manipulate people so puppet master or mystic I think he's both At the age of 34, he finally does travel to St. Petersburg, and he had started to become famous. Word about him had started to reach the royal family. They had heard about a wandering holy man that was coming to visit them. And like I said, At the time, the occult and mysticism and supernatural things were very popular at this time with the aristocrats, especially. Some of the more specific things that were really popular at this time were seances and mystical healing powers, which that was Rasputin's specialty. The royal family actually had an official spiritual advisor. This was a role that was very coveted and very highly valued by the royal family. So finally, in 1905, Rasputin is introduced to the Tsar. So let's talk a little bit about the imperial family of Russia, the Romanovs. Even before Rasputin got involved with them, they were already on shaky ground. In some ways, the monarchy was barely holding on to power. Monarchies in general were not doing too well across Europe, so this wasn't completely out of the realm of what was happening to other people and other countries. There are probably many different opinions on this and we'll never truly know what would have happened to them if Rasputin hadn't gotten involved, but a simple way to put it is that Rasputin was a huge PR nightmare for the Romanovs. Monarchies in general were starting to fall out of popularity and power because the jig was up, kind of. People were like, why are we starving and these people are are living in castles and palaces. I can't even feed my children. And this wasn't the case for every single family. But in general, the jig was kind of up when it was coming to monarchies having absolute rule over the general public. And so that is what was happening to the Romanovs. But like I said, they weren't the only ones having this happen to them in their country. Rasputin is kind of the nail in the coffin that really makes them fall out of favor with the people of Russia. But since Rasputin was from a peasant village, a lot of the peasants liked Rasputin. The real enemies of Rasputin were the aristocracy and the nobles. And we'll get a little bit more into that, but ultimately, Rasputin, in my opinion, is the end for the Romanovs. They could not recover from his PR nightmare and that was it for them the head of the family the czar of russia was nicholas ii his wife was alexandra and she would have been considered the Tsarina of russia and we're probably going to talk the most about the czarina just because her and rasputin had a very interesting relationship and it's probably one of the most intriguing parts of this story nicholas and alexandra had five children four daughters and one son Their four daughters were named Olga, Tatiana, Maria, and Anastasia, or some people pronounce it Anastasia. She's probably the most famous because she has a movie about her in which she miraculously survives the slaughter of the family, although unfortunately that is not actually what happened. And then they had their son Alexei, which is a very popular Russian name, and I might not be saying it right. So we're going to mostly focus on the Tsarina Alexandra, and the son, Alexei, because those are the two people that are really most relevant to Rasputin's story. Eventually, I will talk about inbreeding in the royal families of Europe because it's wild, honestly, and some of it comes into play here. So we have Alexei, their son, and he suffered from hemophilia. And a fun fact is that his hemophilia descends from Queen Victoria. Queen Victoria is related to the Romanovs. She was related to a lot of royal families in Europe. She was known as the grandmother of Europe up alexei's hemophilia was a big deal because he was the only son which meant he was the heir to the throne of russia and if you don't know what hemophilia is it's quite a difficult disease it's basically a disease of the blood that say you get a really small scratch you'll just keep bleeding so it can be seen as a very fatal disease that the smallest injury could lead to someone's death and so alexei struggled a lot with his hemophilia and of course his mother the tsarina, was really desperate to find something that could help him or someone. So in the year 1912, Alexei fell very ill, and Rasputin came in to help him. Rasputin told the Tsarina to ignore the other doctors and let him help instead. And guess what? He got better. And it is kind of a mystery. What mystical, magical powers did he have? There are a couple different theories, and I think they all have some merit. So the first is that he had some type of folk medicine that he would have learned in his village that they just didn't understand or know about. Another one, and I think this is probably one of the ones that I believe the most, is that he just had a very calming effect and it was almost like a placebo effect that eventually was helping Alexei. And then the last one is that he did have some type of magical powers. So who knows what Rasputin was actually doing, but I think there's an argument to be made that he was doing something that helped. We really don't know. It's still really a mystery. However, this part does make a bit of sense. Rasputin told the Tsarina to not listen to the doctors. And that was actually a good piece of advice because the doctors were giving Alexei Alexei aspirin, and aspirin would not have helped his hemophilia. It actually would have made it worse. So Rasputin was giving good advice here, but what else he was doing for Alexei, who knows, but it worked. And so now that Alexei is miraculously healed and feeling better just because of Rasputin, the Tsarina now completely believes him. Around this time, he actually made a semi-official prophecy that if he died or the Romanovs abandoned him, their son would die and they would lose their crown. So you can see if they believed him already, this would definitely spook them. And the thing is, is that This technically does come true, but I don't think Rasputin was being completely pure when he was giving this prophecy. Now, as for the popularity of Rasputin, it's a little murky because I researched a bit into this and obviously lots of people hated him. And I actually talked to my friend Paige, who is probably the biggest fan I guess would be the right word of the Romanovs and she knows so much about imperial Russia and all of that and so I kind of discussed some of this with her because it is a little confusing doing some research on this that Rasputin was very beloved by the peasants because they saw him as one of them but the general public who weren't peasants but also weren't nobles didn't really like him. I don't they hated him as much as the nobles did but they were like he's kind of weird he's kind of creepy and he definitely has a huge influence over the royal family which isn't great the nobles really hated Rasputin. They didn't like the influence that he had over the Romanovs. The other family members of the Romanovs also really didn't like Rasputin. They were just super sketched out by him. They saw right through him. I don't think they really believed him. And they didn't like the influence that he had over the royal family. Put simply, they thought he was a sham, and they thought he was corrupting the royal family. In that one song that's about Rasputin, they call him Russia's greatest love machine, and I think he got that reputation, kind of, but he wasn't, at least in my opinion very attractive. I just think it was this aura he had about him and the cult leader sort of charisma that just drew people in, which is why the rumors started surrounding the Tsarina and Rasputin. I don't think the Tsarina and Rasputin had a romantic relationship. I think the Tsarina was very, very worried about her son. She would do anything to make sure that he was okay. She was desperate. So I think that's where she was coming from, and I do empathize with that. But the rest of Russia could see how much influence Rasputin had over the Tsarina, and of course the rumor started that the two of them were having some type of romantic relationship. From talking to my friend Paige, she also said that she believed the Tsar, Nicholas, didn't actually like Rasputin that much, but... The Tsarina, his wife, Alexandra, relied on him so much and was just so insistent that he stay around that Nicholas just relented because he saw how desperate the Tsarina was to help Alexei and Rasputin seemed to be the cure. I'd say overall, Rasputin really succeeded in bewitching the Romanovs, especially Alexandra. And it made sense that the Tsarina would trust him and value him because that's her son and whatever he was doing was helping. But if that was all Rasputin was doing he probably wouldn't have been that much of a problem. But he wasn't just healing Alexei, he was also eventually offering political advice. Rasputin had met someone at that church in the beginning of his life that was advising the royal family. And that was what became the problem when Rasputin started to have a bit more influence and control over the political decisions they were making. Only Rasputin was able to help Alexei. And he knew this, and I think he exploited it just... A bit but rasputin wasn't a politician and he wasn't very good at giving advice even without rasputin the royal family had been making some dubious political decisions but rasputin really was the cherry on top and he was the last straw for a lot of people rumors started to spread that him and the queen were lovers that he was using dark magic and you have to remember that at this time world war one happened So I'm not going to talk too much about that other than, you know, World War I was a mess and especially a mess for the Tsar. Nicholas left Alexandra back home with Rasputin and Alexandra was basically ruling Russia. However, Rasputin was the one who was giving her all the advice. She just was ride or die for Rasputin. And this made things for her look a lot worse. And I think this is really what ended up fueling those rumors that said that they were lovers. Rasputin was starting to become blamed for everything that was going wrong with all of the royal political troubles. However, the royal family was also seen as to blame because they were the ones that were accepting Rasputin's advice and just listening to him without any questions. So while Nicholas was away fighting in World War I, Alexandra was ruling Russia. And she already wasn't popular with the Russian people. So anybody that went against Rasputin was going against her. The Tsarina 100% wholeheartedly believed and was convinced that Rasputin was the only one who could save her child. So again, I understand it, but it's rough. Knowing now what happens to them, it's rough to understand the situation but know ultimately where it's going to go. Overall, at this point, high-class society, the nobles, all of the family members of the Romanovs hated Rasputin. They thought he was corrupting the family. They already knew that nobles and high-class society were falling because the jig was up. As I said, people were starting to understand that these monarchies had way too much power. The general public was slowly turning against monarchies. And so the nobles were like, oh, Rasputin is making this 10 times worse. And they were right. Additionally, there were also rumors spreading that Rasputin was getting involved with the daughters of the Tsar. There were rumors swirling that Rasputin was involved with all of them, some of them. There was just a lot of rumors. The royal family was just consistently being weakened and weakened and weakened in the public eye. And so the Bolsheviks, well, they have their own reaction. They thought that he was a side effect of the toxicity of the royal family. The monarchies were bad, the royal family was corrupt, and Rasputin is a perfect example of that corruption. And so the Bolsheviks also saw Rasputin as someone who was a peasant. And all the nobles, of course, hated Rasputin because he wasn't one of them. Some even say that without Rasputin, there would have never been a Lenin. And that ultimately because Rasputin just completely destroyed their reputation, the Bolsheviks were able to come in a lot easier because people already hated the royal family. And then Rasputin made them hate them even more. And so the Bolsheviks were like, look at this, look at all of this, peasants, look what they did to one of you. And they could look at the general public and say look at how corrupt and easily manipulated the royal family is having absolute power look what it does and i mean they were right to some extent but still it just is very tragic but ultimately do i agree with the notion that rasputin was the nail in the coffin for the romanovs yes do i think he's the only sole reason that the bolsheviks take over and the romanovs are killed no I think if they had dismissed him earlier on, they would have had a chance, but them staying loyal to him and trusting him as much as they did, I think ultimately that led to their downfall. So now we're going to get into Rasputin's death, which is one of the things that makes him so famous. Now there are a lot of versions of his death, or rather a lot of accounts of what exactly happened. As I did more and more research into it, I just saw so many different details in which some people were claiming that certain parts were false, other parts were true, so I'm just going to cover as much as I can here, but just know that there are a lot of different accounts of Rasputin's death and it just makes it even more shrouded in mystery and mysticism so I'm not surprised that Rasputin's death is this controversial. The first version and probably the most bombastic version of his death that I read is that there was a plan to kill him. In all accounts of his death it is a planned murder and assassination and one of the people who was really spearheading this assassination is named Felix Yusupov. Apologies if I'm saying that wrong, but Felix was the nephew by marriage of the Tsar, so he was married to one of the Tsar's nieces. So he was kind of like royal adjacent, which is what we talked about back in the Jane Grey episode. They were thinking, Rasputin is destroying the family, we have a horrible reputation, we need to do something about this. Ultimately, it kind of backfires on them, but their hearts were in the right places, kind of. So Felix decides he needs to kill Rasputin, and he's doing this to save the Russian monarchy from collapse. So they decide that they want to kill Rasputin, and they invite him over. And in this version, they give him cakes and wine that are laced with cyanide. There's another version in which they do not actually poison the wine or cakes that they're supposed to, but then someone chickens out and basically switches it with unpoisoned cakes and wine. But in the version in which they are poisoned, Rasputin gobbles down his cakes, drinks his wine, and he's fine. And so he goes upstairs and they're all like, oh my gosh, what the heck? He's supposed to be dead. Is he immune to cyanide? Like they're freaking out. And so one of them goes upstairs, pulls out a gun, and shoots him straight in the chest i believe is how it was described and he doesn't die he ends up escaping and then they shoot him again and then they beat him up and they throw him in freezing water and his body washes up days later and weirdly enough there's a lot of pictures of his body online when i was trying to figure out exactly what happened when he was killed There were tons of photos of his body. I didn't really look at them, but there are, I think, photos of Rasputin's body that you can find on Google. It looks like he was shot in the head, not that I studied it seeing where he was shot, but the caption said he was shot in the head. Was he already dead when he was shot in the head? Possibly. It's really hard to tell what exactly killed Rasputin because they were doing so many different things to try and kill him. So what exactly happened and the order in which it happened is very hard to identify. But it does prove that he was a very difficult man to kill. So it's supposed to be seen as a story of good versus evil. These men trying to get rid of this evil man who just won't die no matter what they do. It really emphasizes this idea that Rasputin was an evil man in league with the devil and he just wouldn't die. I think that's why the story ends. Ended up becoming like this. As I did more research on it, Rasputin's daughter Maria, who, fun fact, actually fled Russia later on and became a circus lion tamer. Very interesting job. But they interviewed her at one point and she condemned this story as false and just a made-up tale. Now she wasn't there, but what she says is that her father didn't like sweets and that he would never have eaten that many cakes. And the autopsy actually mentions no poison or drowning, but instead a shot to the head. Who knows? of that autopsy is accurate. They were obviously assassinating him, so it could have been falsified. I don't want to rely on the autopsy to really say what did or didn't happen to him. My best guess from just reading what I did read is that I agree with his daughter that maybe he didn't eat the cakes and that he wasn't immune to the poison. Rather, they weren't actually poisoned and he did eat them or that he didn't actually eat them at all. And that when he was shot in the chest, he was shot in a way that wasn't fatal. Kind of like in the Cleopatra episode when Mark Antony stabs himself in the abdomen he does not die from this wound right away so maybe something similar happened to Rasputin where he was shot but he was shot in a way that wasn't fatal at least not right away and he was able to escape and then they caught him probably beat him up and maybe shot him in the head who knows but he was then thrown in the water from what he died from I don't know. Any number of these things he could have died from. Regardless of how he died, it's created this mythic legend of this man who just couldn't die, who was invincible, who had nine lives, basically. All of that put together creates a very mythic legend of a man who could not be killed. No matter which parts of it you believe, this story is just fantastic. So was Rasputin someone who couldn't die? No, obviously not, because he did die. So finally, Rasputin is killed, and like I said, his body washes up on shore days later. The Tsarina was devastated at what had happened to Rasputin. The peasants were also really angry. So the murderers, including Felix, were exiled from Russia. And now without Rasputin to blame, all of the bad political decisions fell squarely on the Tsar's shoulders. So ultimately, Felix's plot to kill Rasputin and save the Russian monarchy completely backfired. It did not save them. What would have saved them, possibly, is if the Tsar had sent Rasputin away much earlier but killing Rasputin at this point really only made things worse. If you know the story of the Romanovs, then you know how this ends. The Bolsheviks do overthrow the Romanov family, and they are under house arrest, basically, and imprisoned, and eventually they are all murdered. The way they are killed, it's brutal. They are all taken into a room and just shot at multiple times. And it's almost slightly a story kind of similar to Rasputin's in that some of the girls would just not die. And the reason that was happening is because they had sewn their jewels into their dresses and they were acting as a makeshift bulletproof vest almost. Eventually, they started using the bayonet ends of their guns to stab the girls and they all died. There is a rumor or a story in which one of the girls still wasn't dead and while they were getting ready to bury them, she sat up and screamed. This is, I think, where the legend of Anastasia somehow escaping and being alive comes from. However, some people claim it was one of the other daughters that this happened to, and some claim it didn't happen at all. What happened to them, I just think, was even more brutal and just sad because they were children and they were just massacred in this basement in Russia. So that is the story of Rasputin and also a bit of the story of the Romanov family, who I probably will cover in more detail in another episode later on somewhere down the road it's at this point in the episode I usually say, you know, pour one out for whoever I've just talked about, but Rasputin really does creep me out. So if you're going to pour one out for him, maybe pour out some cyanide-laced wine. As for the Romanovs, that is who I would say pour one out for. Their story is just so tragic to me. Pour one out for them because they just had a really, really rough go of it. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. If there's anybody you want to hear about, let me know. I will add them to the list. I kind of already have the next two episodes at least planned out and they are both on women. Hint, hint, one of them was burned at the stake and the other one had a lot of husbands and some of them mysteriously died and she may have been culpable in that. So those are the next two people I will be covering. Not sure which order I'm going to do them in, but stay tuned for those two episodes. If you want to support Tea on History, head on over to our Anchor page. You can also follow Tea on History over on Instagram. And check out the blog where I post some episode notes and blog posts. And until next time, cheers from Tea on History.